In the words of a king, there is power. And as we behold him with unveiled faces, we're transformed into the very image of God. Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. K. Ijishesan, brought to you by Kingswood Ministries International. We believe that as you listen, faith is stirred up in you to become all that God has called you to be. Something is about to ignite. The generation needs to be fired up. Now, the concentration you've been seeing in the last one year is for a purpose. God is trying to wake up this nation. Are you listening to me? God is waking up this nation. And I have the Spirit of the Lord say, there's too much potential in this nation for this nation to be dormant. Where the gospel, where the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is concerned. No way. God is, co is committed to this nation being awake. And that's why he's going to send gifts your way. Are you listening to me? He's, saying, he's going to send apostolic, apostolic gifts your way hmm. to wake you up. Because, you know, apostolic gifts don't just come around just for show. What they represent is beyond the miraculous expression. You know, people get excited about the miracles, which is quite spectacular, really. But it's much more than that. Romans chapter 1, verse 11. What apostolic gifts represents is much more than the miraculous expression. Miracles are good. But if it's all about miracles, the children of Israel should have entered into his rest. But they saw miracles and yet they missed the rest. It was a generation that God was wrought with. He was displeased with them because with all the miraculous exposure, they still failed to enter into his rest. So yet a rest remained for the people of God. If they enter into it, David would not have been talking about it. I've got news for you. You are the regeneration of rests. Somebody shout, I'm the generation, I'm the generation. of rest. And that was why when the new creation was going to be batted, it was batted seated. <laughs> oh my God, you didn't hear me. Seated with Christ because they are the people of rest. And listen, gentlemen, if I hear you say this word, hustling, again, don't worry, I'm a spirit. I don't have to be in your physical location. There's such a thing as a knock. You will feel a knock. Say, you know, it's my hustle. Also, don't you know, say, in this kingdom, we don't hustle. We are blessed. You know, you know, I'm just hustling all over the place. You know, just, I mean, are you talking like a vagabond? We don't talk like that. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the Lord. Being made a curse for us. For cursed is everyone that is hung on the tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Another word for hustle is toil. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and added no sorrow. You know, it's so sad. People come to church, pray, join prayer meeting in the morning, but they don't know how to talk. It's beyond your prayer time. It's a lifestyle. The just shall live by faith. 
He lives by it. He's mindful of what he says because faith is built around words. The word of God that you hear and the word that you speak. We don't just talk anyhow. You know, you know what? We are all, all hustling. You know, there's nothing for me in I kingdom. This place is dry. If it was dry before now, it became drier. It's become, that's become more dry. Just because you don't know how to talk. Don't you never say, don't talk anyhow. Do you know the first assignment God gave man was to name his environment? God created, but guess what? He did not give names to those creations. He said, man, you are the one that name. And every time you speak, you are naming. You know, nothing is working here. You just name. You know what? I don't know. Nothing, there's nothing for me here. Even if there was something for you there before, the moment you spoke, what was there for you started running away. Jesus said, the words which I speak unto you, they are spirit alive. Words are spiritual. I want you to write it down. Words are spiritual. They are spiritual. And that's why the Bible says you will give account for every idle word. There's such a thing as word abuse. You abuse words. Just say things, you know, when, when, you, when you train yourself to say things that you don't mean, it's the height of irresponsibility. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> really? Do you know where you are today? Is the function of what you are saying? And where you are going is going to be determined by what you are saying now. Your words are faster than you. So once you speak, those words travel into the future and prepare the future. So at every junction in your life, you meet up with the words you have spoken. The reason why some people, including Christians, will not live long is because they have sown enough seeds in words to kill them soon. You know, you know, this world, there's no, any funny thing happens in your neighborhood, the next thing is, it could have been me. It could have been me. That's foolishness. He said, no evil shall before you, no plague shall come near your dwelling place. A thousand might fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. What you should be saying is, it cannot be me. The Lord spoke to me 1st of January. I woke up and the very first thing he spoke to me, he said, you are in a season of Syria attacks. He said, more than ever, the enemy will strike in this season. He said, speak over your people and tell them, to stay connected in faith. He that dwells in the secret place of the most high abides under the shadow of them. I will see of the Lord. It's my refuge and my fortress. In whom I trust. Don't you know, but I trust in him. I was talking to somebody the other day. They said, oh, I don't want to move to the United States. So why? They are killing them. They are killing people everywhere. So if God sends you to America, you now say, oh, because they are killing, you will not go there. Nothing kills faster than fear. Are people not dying in London? speak anyhow but that, that's how I feel now, you don't put your feeling over your words 
That's lack of spiritual intelligence. You feel it, you say it. No. You ensure what you say complies with your covenant. Romans chapter 1 verse 11. This morning is going to be explosive. By the way, I said all that. You didn't pay for it. Free of charge. It was your generosity at work. Look at it. He said, for I long to see you. That was Paul speaking in his apostolic capacity. He said, for I long to see you that I may impact. I may impact. May we never grow to a point where impartation means nothing to us. He said, I want to see you. I, as your apostle, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gifts. Charisma can be impacted. There are people that carry what you need for your future. You know, some of this nonsense that came, the, the foolishness that was revealed by pandemic. You know, I don't need church. I don't need a pastor. I just need to be in front of my TV. In fact, I don't need that. I just talk to God directly. God has a system. And that system involves his gifts packaged in men as apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. Now, if you become so smart that you don't need it, you have just grown in foolishness to a place of destruction. You have set up yourself. You have set up a trap for yourself. God says, I have a system. You say, you know, I don't need it. You know, these men. These men are your gifts. These men are your what? Gifts. It's not about the men of God. It's about God. But God chose those men to carry him on that. So how much of God you experience is going to be dependent on how positioned you are to those gifts. And Paul said here, he said, I, I want to see you because I've got some stuff for you that I may impact onto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. Somebody say established. Establish. The word established there is from Greek was terizo, which means to turn resolutely. He said, I want to turn you in a certain direction. You know, there's such a thing as the impartation of God that turns your life and aligns your life with the path and the purpose and the agenda of God that causes you to run into your future. Impartation impacts speed. You know, your race is not meant to be walked. It's meant to be run. The reason why some people are frustrated is because they are walking their race. But there's an impartation that takes you from walking to running. Is that one to impart to you some spiritual gifts so that you'll be established? In other words, your establishment is tied to your impartation. Romans chapter 15 verse 29 still talking about the value, the relevance and the importance of impartation. Paul still speaking to the same church. Look at what he wrote to them. He said, but I know that when I come to you, hey, Balaka, you know, there's something about your people that know how to receive the anointing. Hey, Griala Kata, Ayababa, 
I, I remember one of my associates several years ago. If there's anything that young man had a PhD in, he, 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 he has a PhD in preparing people. Anytime I would go to preach in the church he was pastoring, he would have prepared them for weeks. By the time you walk in, it's like electric charge all over the place because the people has been prepared to receive. One of the things I'm going to be teaching today is what I call receiving skills. Receiving what? Skills. I mean, I, I follow football. There are dribbling skills, right? I mean, goalkeeping skills. Come on, talk to me. Who loves football here? I mean, I love football so much that when I got to America 24 years ago, I revolted. You know, in America, they, call, they have what they call their own football. They thought by now I should have repented. I cannot repent. I say I've twisted the authentic. I cannot be fooled by the fake. You want to see me arguing? I say, how can it be football when most of it is done with hands and the rest is wrestling? <laughs> what is football? I told them, I said, you people. I said, he said, what you call football is a product of rebellion. So you are just tired of the dominance of United Kingdom. And because of that, you now invented something which does not make sense. But when you are rebellion, you know, it's like you don't think right. Because why on earth will you call this football? Football. How much foot do you see in the game? I don't know if you have seen what the American calls football before. Was it not interesting? Well, does it make sense? I remember several years ago, my son, who is now in university, was like, Dad, I love football. I want to play. I said, God forbid. God forbid. So when that movie came out, Concussion, I took him to the... To the I, I, only a few movies we watched together. I think that one and Wakanda. So that one we went together. So he sat down. We, after finishing it, he sat here. I think he sat in between me and my wife. It was a mission. So when we finished the movie, we said, Toluani, what did you learn from this movie? Say, said, I learned not, never to watch a movie like this with your parents. <laughs> but to the glory of God, you know, he changed his mind and you know, I'm glad. Because I cannot just imagine going to stadium to watch my son being kicked. I mean, he, people have brain, I mean... Because I've tasted football, real football. Come on, any, any, anybody that loves football, real football, I love it. I love it. In fact, after this meeting, I'm going to change. I'm going to emirate. Yeah, I'm an, I'm not, I'm an Asna fan. Okay, if you're for Asna, someone shout hallelujah. God bless you. But a, 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 note, a, a note of caution. Uh, you know, my, uh, Asna is my first love. But somewhere in the 2001, 2002, I had to counsel myself. There's something called mental health. <laughs> so for the sake of mental health, at the beginning of every season, I would search my spirit, Lord, who should I follow this season? Because the Bible says, whatsoever born of God, overcome it. What's the point following a team that does not overcome? So there were seasons the Lord led me to Chelsea. There were seasons the Lord led me to Liverpool. There were seasons. It was mostly never mind you, never mind you, never mind you. I've never been led there. Never, never, never. For some reason, 
I've gone Man City, I've gone. But you know, deep down inside of me, the love for Asna was still there. So at the beginning of this season, I just sense it. Football is coming home. Yeah. And we came home. <laughs> For a few weeks ago, I was binding all the Haaland spirits <laughs> and Brunei and the rest. It's okay. We are fine. All things are possible. It's not over till it's over. Somebody shout hallelujah. And I'm going to be there today to offer my support. But, you know, in, in football, there are skills, receiving skills, dribbling skills. I mean, if I start asking some of you that follow soccer, I mean, can you see soccer, America, football, it's football, not soccer. <laughs> if I start asking some of you that follow, follow football, you tell me, oh, oh, this is my favorite player. I love Messi. I love Ronaldo, you know. Okay, don't let us go there. But, you know, but there are skills that tantalizes you. But as far as God is concerned, the most relevant skill is receiving skill. In the New Testament, you know, one of my assignments in the body of Christ is to teach the doctrine of grace. And grace is all about Jesus finished everything. He only needs people that know how to receive well. Anybody here who knows how to receive well? Now, people do well in this kingdom because they are good receivers. John chapter 1 verse 11 says he came to his own and his own received him not. But as many as received, he gave the power. So the power to become is attached to receiving. You don't walk your way up in this kingdom. You maximize this kingdom by knowing how to receive. Now, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a receiver. I'm a receiver. Come on, shout it well. Say, I am a receiver. I am a receiver. Oh, I can't hear you. Say, I'm a receiver. receiver. Hey, it is of faith that it might be by grace. Romans chapter 4 verse 16. The way God deals is to give so much and because he loves to give so much, he needs people that needs to that, that knows how to receive so well. Just receive. And one of the ways to receive is to position yourself in honor. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus was in his hometown. You can imagine how much he was looking off, he was looking forward to coming to these people to help in them because he was among them for 30 years, but he could not help them because he was just a carpenter. But now he has become anointed. Here was Jesus in his hometown, fully anointed, highly anointed, but there was a problem. The people would not honor, honor what he carried. They were like, oh, is he not the carpenter? Is he not just the son of Mary? What's wrong with the boy? Come on, how come he's going all over the place and saying, and saying I'm anointed? He grew up among us. He's a carpenter. May you not miss out on God's plan and purpose for your life because of familiarity. They became too familiar and that cost them. Too much. He said, for I longed, I mean, he said, he said I, for, I know that when I come, Romans chapter 15 verse 29, I shall come in what? In the fullness of the blessing of Christ. 
Romans chapter 15 verse 29. I come in the fullness. That was Paul speaking there. He said, I'm sure I'm coming with something that will transform your life is the fullness. Somebody say fullness. fullness. Of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. The good news of Christ comes with a blessing. And here Paul was saying, I'm coming with the fullness of that blessing. And that's what is going to be experienced here today. Somebody say the fullness, the fullness of the blessing of the, blessing of the gospel, of, the gospel of, Christ. of Christ. It's mouthful, right? Well, it's easy. Let's, let's take it from the top. Say the fullness, the fullness of, the of the blessing of the gospel of, the gospel of Christ. Christ. Let's do it one more time. If you're going to receive the blessing, it has to be the gospel of Christ. And Paul is saying, in my apostolic capacity, I have that fullness where that blessing is concerned. And I'm bringing it to you. So this morning, very briefly, let me run through some things because I want to lay hands on everybody. Is that okay? Anybody, do you trust me enough to lay hands on you? Okay, I've laid hands on a few people that are doing well. A few people. I've laid hands on him. I've laid hands on him. I've laid hands on him. I've laid hands on Dusseo Yeko several times. So, and several other people in the world that are doing well. There's a young man that came to my office. Not you, young man. He's not really young. He's a 60-year-old. But well, he's still young. Am I not young? Am I not young? I'm young. God bless you. No, not you. Not you. In fact, for saying it, I was, she was the only one that convinced me. I have a gift for her. It's okay. It came too late. I'm young. I'm young. I'm young. And I'm doing my best to remain young. The Bible talks about they shall be fresh and flourishing. Even in their old age. Someone say, I am fresh and flourishing. Come on, tell your neighbor, say, I'm fresh and flourishing. Okay, so he said something that blessed me. He said, Pastor, I can never leave this church. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, what a way to start a conversation. I'm like, what's going on? He said, you knew how I was. And he came to church over 10 years ago, divorced. Literally bankrupt financially, struggling. In his house was almost going to be what foreclosed. And I remember those early days. There were days God would just lead me to walk towards Him, and I would say, "I see you doing extremely well. I see you in millions." I, for some of those words, you will go back home and start reviewing it. 
Are you sure? But to the glory of God, it was my office and he said, Pastor, so much is happening. In fact, you need to catch up. And he said, let me just show you an example. And he brought out his phone. He said, let me, let me show you my, my crypto account. The same crypto that people are crying, they are losing money. He said, let me show you. And I saw $487,000. He, he said, that's just small. He said, yesterday. He said, I just closed a deal of $1.7 million. And he said, it goes on and on and on. He said, see my life. And I was in that office, humbled. Because when I hear testimonies like that, it doesn't make me feel super. It humbles me. That God can take nothing and make me something. The person that took me to the airport while I was coming to England joined the church three years ago. When he joined the church, he had not a single car. Today, he has at least 19 cars. And he brought me to the airport in his G-Wagon. This was a man that two and a half years ago, I would sit down and brainwash him because I needed to brainwash him. He grew up in a very remote part of Nigeria. Anybody knows if fair? If it's an amazing place, once you take the university out of the place, the rest is bush. So, <laughs> am I speaking the truth? It's rest. If it's minus OAU, equals what? Country. <laughs> so anyway, so, but the Lord led me to walk on his mind during the pandemic. It will come to my house. And to the glory of God, I was doing a few deals that were good then. So I just say, oh, yeah, I just signed a deal of $200,000. Ah! I say, it's just $200,000. I say, ah, I don't make that in a year. In fact, it will take me five years to make it. I said, you signed a day. I said, I signed in a day. I was not saying it to brag. I was saying it because the Lord told me, walk on his mind. He said, he's a faithful man. He's a giver. But his mind is small. About six months, I will intentionally, whenever it comes around me, throw big figures. And that's why you should not run away from people that are bigger than you. I'm not if you understand what I'm talking about. So I know. Don't be intimidated by their success. Maka, do you know your mind can, can actually limit your prophecy? Because the way your mind is set is how your life will be set eventually. Now, there's a cooling system here. We call it HVAC in America. Is that what you call it here? Okay, I don't know what you call it. But there's a cooling system, right? And I believe somewhere in this building, there is a thermostat, right? So, I believe somebody in charge of facility made sure the temperature was set to a, a particular degree. Before every one of us came in, right? And that's why this room presently feels a certain way. But you know it's possible for that cooling system to be working perfectly. But the thermostat, which is the regulator 
has not been set appropriately and we will all come in and rather feel this way, we will feel a different way. And there's still nothing wrong with the cooling system, but simply because somebody failed to set the thermostat rightly. The effect of the cooling system is not impacting us. Do you know that illustrates the situation with a lot of believers? They carry a recreated human spirit, which is housing God. All of the resources of heaven is seated in their spirits. Every potential that Jesus carries, they already carries it. They already carry it. Because the Bible says, see, that is joined with the Lord, is one with him. But there's something called mind. We underestimate the power of the mind. I've seen a lot of spiritual people print up, but their mind is small. Their mind is small with all their praying in tongues, with all their faithful service. With all, their, with all the laying on of hands, there's a place they can't go beyond. Simply because they don't have a mind to take it. And that's why from time to time, God will send people into your space to impact your mind. In fact, some people, what they need is not laying on of hands for impartation. It's laying on of mind. Lane of what? Minds. Minds. They need to rub minds with minds. Hey. That we expand their mind. The Lord spoke to me a while ago. He said, one of the reasons why Jonathan and David had to be friends was because David needed the mind of Jonathan to be able to move into that palace. He was, I mean, he was coming raw from the field. Chasing animal. And now the prophecy is that you're going to be king someday. So God said, one of the, one of the things you have to do is rub minds with somebody who was born in the palace. Somebody who has a mindset of royalty so that when you get to the palace, you will know how to conduct yourself in the palace. Mind that is aligned with your prophecy. Mind that can carry your prophecy. No wonder the Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. You know, severally, it's happened in my house that we just noticed that the, the, the air conditioning system is not working. And we'll be running around. What's wrong? We just service the air condition. Not too long ago, what happened? Only for the technician to come around. And the first thing he does does not go to the the big AC system. He just says, where's your thermostat? So he goes there. Oh, the battery is dead. He removes the dead battery, puts a brand new one. And he goes, oh. And once it shows up like that, it's at least $100. And I'm like, I could have done that. 
So there was nothing wrong with the cooling system. But there was a thermostat that would not allow the influence, the impact, the capacity of the cooling system to be felt. Can you lay your hands on your head? Say, my mind. Come on, get on your feet. This is serious. Say, my mind. I speak to you. Come on, let me hear you loud and clear. Say, I speak to you. In the name of Jesus, you will not stand in the way of mine. That conflicts with my prophecy. In the name of Jesus, be renewed. Sit down, somebody. That's why the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 from verse 1. It says, if then you have been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above and not the things which are what? Beneath. Then he went on to say, say set your affection. He trying to say, set your mind. Set your mind on things above. So there is a deliberate setting. There is a deliberate setting of the mind to accommodate your future. To accommodate your redemption. To accommodate your authority. To accommodate everything that God has planned into your purpose. Come on, shall we set your mind? Tell your neighbor, set your mind. It's very, very important. I'm talking about how to maximize the reign of this season. Set your mind. Be intentional. Be intentional about how your mind is set. Let me tell you, for me, going to university was not just about the degree I got. Hello, somebody. Interesting enough, I'm not even using the degree. They gave me a degree in the 90s that says, this is a pharmacist. And for over... 25 years now, I've not been a pharmacist. But I value those days on campus because it gave me an opportunity to meet with people. I come in contact with somebody and within weeks you notice the way you think change. So there's a renewal of the mind by the word, but there's also a renewal of the mind by right association. You need right people in your space. Don't allow inferiority complex. Say, no, no, no. They are not my level. Now, the question is, do you want to die on that level? If you don't want to die on, the, on that level, then... Line up. Even if you have to fake it at the beginning. Oh, yeah. What are you talking about? Okay. I've shared this severally, but for sake of people that I've never had it, do you know there was a season in my life before I started having houses everywhere that I would call the realtor and I said, uh, one of the most expensive neighborhoods in Chicagoland, I called. I said, oh, I saw some houses online. Uh, I'd like to check them out. Will you be available? You know, talk like a big man. We'll be available. Yeah, let's set up an appointment. Oh, 3 p.m. Okay, I'll be there. Toluani was about two years old then. And my wife and I, we take Toluani there. I'll be walking through the mansion. I said, oh my God. How many bedrooms? Four. Wow. Do you have anything that has six? 
I, oh, really? Really? Oh, my God. I, lo I love the porch. Oh, I love the patio. Oh, yeah. The jacuzzi. Is it working? Oh, my God. Is there any bigger one? Nobody in my village has used a jacuzzi before. <laughs> and I will see houses and houses and houses and houses and houses. Of course, the numbers they were calling was very, very intimidating. But of course, don't hug like, ah! Really? Is, is that? That's it? Okay, that's not bad. That's not bad. There's a training of your mind. And God, from time to time, will inject people into your space that are on a higher level to help you fulfill your destiny. Is it not interesting that God would allow Joseph to go to the prison to learn about the prison from two people that came from the prison? Some people will look at Potiphar's house in Joseph's life as like Joseph was backsliding, moving away from his destiny. They will look at the prison as if he was going away from his destiny. But I want to submit it to you tonight, I mean this afternoon, that Potiphar's house and the prison faces were internships. Because when he was in Potiphar's house, he was dealing with the chief, the king's guard, who, who walks in the palace. Then when he moved to the prison, it was internship part two. Because it was rooming with not just anyone from the palace, the chief butler and the chief baker from the palace. Now, I want you to think, what was the kind of conversation? Yeah. I believe with Porcifer, because that was the boss, it was more of observing. Okay. This man that goes to the palace every day. This is how he dresses. This is how he conducts himself. But the, the part two of that internship, it was not beyond observation. It was conversation. I believe Joseph was asking questions. Okay, tell me about their palace. Because they were not just ordinary people from the palace. They were bosses in the palace. So there are faces of your life that God will put you in certain environment that might not look like your prophecy. But there are internships that must be taken to get into that prophecy. So how you handle those faces are important. Do you know what the Spirit of the Lord told me? He said a lot of people go through those faces which were divine setups to prepare them for their prophecy. They handle it offended. You know, there are people that are offended at people, which is a low level. What about the people that are offended at God? I'm not coming to church again. We've been praying all this, all this while. Where did the prayer end up? What has happened? Now, the question is, God is too smart to waste his plan on an unprepared person. Did he answer your prayer? Yes, he answered in fact, the answer was the one that battered this internship face. But what he calls internship, you see it as affliction. 
Is somebody following me? Because until your mind is prepared for your prophecy, you can't walk into it. You must be open to expanding your circle of what? Influence. Lord, in fact, shall we pray a prayer? Can we stand up and say after me, say, Lord, whosoever that needs to be in my space for me to prepare for what is ahead of me, Lord, help me to recognize them and to maximize the relationship appropriately. Can you go ahead and pray right now? This is serious. Whosoever I need in my space for what is ahead of me, Lord, help me to recognize those people as they come into my space as you send them my way. Help me. This is a serious prayer. I don't want to waste my opportunities. Whatever I need to relate with. Oh, may you not despise the chief butler who is meant to introduce you in the palace. It's a powerful prayer. Say, Lord, help me not to despise the people who are supposed to play important roles in preparing me for my prophecy. Masotayaka. Akatoya sharabala. Mengata sataba. Makata sataba. You may be seated. Is somebody following me this afternoon? So it's important to be able to see God in faces that don't look like it. You know, one of the things God taught me over the years is the fact that Joseph was a man of the spirit. Because if he was not a man of the spirit, he would have been offended because when he got thrown into the prison. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. What's the point following this God? What's the point serving this God? What's the point standing for this God when he cannot even defend you? Somebody lied against me and the God that I serve, the God I'm so proud of, could not even vindicate me. Now, the question is, are you more interested in the immediate comfort or the long-term goal? Because it's a God that knows the end from the beginning. When Potiphar's wife was plotting all the... I'm not sure you all know the story of the Potiphar's wife. When, it was, when she was plotting all the nonsense, all the mess. Listen, gentlemen. God knew about it. And God knew that a wicked plot would work together for Joseph's good. Because as far as God was concerned, Joseph, I'm speaking, I'm speaking prophetically now, Joseph was, has finished Potiphar's class. He has finished that class. So there was a need for him to move into a new course. <laughs> so what Potiphar's wife did not know was that she was an instrument of promotion. 
Because as far as Potiphar's house was concerned, Joseph, as of that time, had learned everything he needed to learn. Now a woman rose up, lied against him, set him up, and he got thrown into the prison. In the natural, it looks like this man is going down. But really, it was a promotion. His internship has just been upgraded. God was saying, there's a new level for your training. Don't you ever say, neighbor? Don't ever run away from your training. There was a new level to your training. And that training will not be in Potiphar's house, but rather it will be with some set of people from the palace. The chief butler. And what? The chief baker. But the interesting thing was the location of the training. The location of the training did not look like a promotion. It was not a good office. It was a prison. But Joseph trusted God too much. That in spite of the fact that the optics did not look well. I don't know who I'm talking to. You are in the face of your life. You are not too excited about the optics. But God told me, he said, the optics, there's a prophecy. So Joseph walked into that face, trusting God. It's okay. I know I did the right thing, so I'm fine. And for the next few years, he was rolling with two folks from the palace. The chief butler and the chief baker. To even make it more interesting, he prophesied the release of one and he prophesied the demise of the other. Hoping the one that was released would get to the palace and give him a good recommendation. If it were to be today, people have been praying, Lord, all the village people that said my prophecy will not come to pass, that will make people that are supposed to be recommending me in the palace to forget me, send them into captivity. Now listen, because he looks all the demons who are fighting his destiny. But you know, it was intentional that God ensured that the chief butler did not initially make mention of Joseph in the palace. Because the weight. Oh, can I prophesy this morning? Oh, I feel an anointing of. Can I prophesy this afternoon? I see somebody walking into his Kairos moment right now. Get on your feet. I see a Kairos moment of right moment, right place. I see events arranged for the fulfillment of your prophecy. Lift up your hands and shout, Kairos! Kairos happens to people that trust the system of God. I trust him. Lift up your hands and shout, I, I trust him! Even when it doesn't look like it, I trust him. They've left. They moved on. Moved on where? I trust him. Hey, hey. Like I tell folks in Chicago, turn to your neighbor and give him or her some attitude. Say, I trust him. Oh, you don't know how to show attitude. Please let me give you some African American attitude. So I trust him. I trust him. 
British people, you are too cool. I said, give somebody a statement of I trust him with an attitude. Say, I, I trust him. I trust him. I trust him. Sit down. I trust him. Don't you know what's a neighbor? Don't look down on me. I'm going through faces. There are certain processes going on. But there is a prophecy at the end. And I trust him. Oh, maybe you are here. You are, you're, you're looking at, at your time. The chronos and say, oh, time is going. Time is going. I've come to tell you there's another time which is bigger than chronos. It's called kairos, which is called ordained moment. Right time, right place. And what we take, chronos 30 years. In three minutes, kairos can deliver it. How do you explain a prisoner today, prime minister tomorrow. I trust him. Makata, I trust him. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I feel the Holy Ghost. Woo! I trust him. May I'm a spirit. What is going on in this realm does not disturb me. I don't judge my life by the natural. Oh, I'm firmly rooted in the prophecy of God, in the word of God, in the purpose of God, in the processes of God, in the agenda of God. The present affliction will not be able to stop me from the glory to come. For our affliction, which is for a moment, is walking. Towards a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I trust him. I trust him. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I don't know who I'm talking to. You're a little bit discouraged. I trust him. My life, why is my life so slow? Oh, creator, yes, but there were a bunch of things you told me, and it seems nothing is coming to pass. I trust him. Somebody need to be like David this, this afternoon. The Bible says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. I trust him in the natural. He has lost everything. But God said, I'm about to set you up for a kind of harvest you have never experienced before. I trust him. Because God says, when Kairos sets in, you will not just overtake, you will recover all. I trust him. I trust him. My reign is here. I said, 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 My reign is here. I trust him. I trust him. I trust him. I don't judge my life by the natural. I trust him. I'm fine. I'm good. But there will be faces. In fact, he said, he said in this world, there shall be tribulations. There will be down times, so to say. But guess what? Those down times will work together for your good. Let me round up. Have you been blessed this, this afternoon? I trust him. I trust him. I trust him. I'm in rain. I trust him. Okay, let me run through a few things and I'll start praying for you. How to maximize the rain. Number one, prioritize 
favor over labor. Write it down. I'm just running. I've spoken prophetically, but I just want to highlight a few things and start laying out. Is that okay? Prioritize favor over labor. Write it down. Prioritize the favor of God. And when I'm talking about the favor of God, the favor of God is very different from the favor of man. When men do you favor, you owe them. God gives free favor. He calls it unmerited, which is rooted in unconditional love. So when I'm talking about favor, I'm not talking about man's favor. I'm talking about God's favor. And the reason why he gives that kind of favor is because he's such a loving personality. He's gracious, he's merciful, he's full of mercy, and he's slow to anger. Grace was not just something, something God invented because of man's mess. Grace has always been God's preferred method because it's loving. He deals in grace. He's an addicted giver. He, not, he does not just love, he so loves. For God so loves. And because he so loves, that's why he gives excessively. That's why he gives unconditionally. That's why he gives favor without merit. You know, it pains me when I say believers that don't understand the nature of God. And they're so quick to present a God that is so hungry because he's righteous. Is he righteous? Yes. But he's compassionate. That <laughs> his righteous nature will now be imparted freely. Oh my God. Is righteous and his standard is righteous, but because he's compassionate, he will now say, What makes you right will not be a function of what you are doing or what you have done, but what I've done for you that you receive freely. Some of you don't know God is a righteous God. We know, and that's why he gave us the gift of righteousness. You know, it breaks my heart when I see preachers that majors in condemnation and guilt in the New Testament. You don't get it. The law was given not because God was that legalistic. It was given to help man come to grace. But grace has always been his method. Lift up your hands and say, God loves me. And in this season of rain, I will experience his love. Oh, come on, pray for 30 seconds where you are seated. I say, in this season of rain, I'm experiencing his love. That means there will be plenty of gifts. There will be grace, grace. He says his mercies are new every morning. Is that gracious? Is that merciful? Oh, Makataya. He gives graciously. James chapter 1 says, every good and perfect gift comes from him. Is that so much of a giver? If you are under the covenant of grace, then think grace. Now, put, put your hand on your head. Say, I think grace, I think grace. Not, labor. not labor. Say it three times. Say, I think grace, I think grace. not labor. Say it another time. Say, I think grace, not labor. Every member of labor party, resign. Move to favor party. Write it down. 
move out of labor party, move into what? Labor party. Labor. <laughs> All the obedient people come after me. <laughs> move out of the labor party, move into what? Favor party. The race is not for the swift. The battle is not for the strong. You are there talking about what you have done, what you have done. What you have done can never stand beside what he did for you. Why will you elevate what you have done over what he did? That's stupid. He died for you. And you're talking about, I did this, I did this, I served God, I was a pressure, I was a choir, I was... But he shed his blood for you. He killed his son for you. It would be stupid to, over, over, to elevate your little doings over his finished work. And you will never do enough to finish. Whereas he has finished it. Favor is living by the finished work rather than hustling to finish what you can never finish. I function by favor. I rest in grace. I believe the love of God. And I'm blessed. Somebody shout hallelujah. Prioritize favor over labor. Because favor is the genuine fuel of labor. God is, saying, God is not saying be lazy, but he's saying the way to maximize your labor is to fuel it by what? Favor. I am what I am by the grace of God. And the grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. He said, I labor. So he was not saying because of favor, I'm lazy. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. He said, I labor more abundantly. Yet not I, but the favor of God that was with me. So favor does not make you lazy, but it makes your labor effective. So you prioritize the faith. So you wake up every, every morning and you wear Jesus, not you. Wear Jesus. He died for me. <laughs> he loves me. I'm going to work quite all right. But the reason why I'm going to excel is not because I'm going to work and I'm smart and I'm brilliant and I'm working with the best company. No, I'm going to, I'm going to excel because I have Jesus. And I wear Jesus. I wear his finished work. Ah, I think about him and I'm excited. Oh, he loves me that much. He blessed me with every spiritual blessing in every place. Ah, I'm accepted in the beloved. Boy, I'm favored. Boo, glory to God. So I prioritize his favor over all the, the T's I've crossed and the highs I've dotted. I'm favored. I'm favored. Ooh, I'm favored. I need somebody to charge in favor all over the place. I'm favored. I say charge in favor. I'm favored. I say charge in favor. I'm favored. Oh, come on, charge. I say, I'm favored. I said, I'm favored. Maybe your neighbor did not hear very well. Tell him, I say, I'm favored. I speak over somebody between now and the end of 2023. The Lord will amaze you. He will overwhelm you with his gift. Somebody shout, I am favored. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. I prioritize his favor over my labor. Do I labor? Yes. But favor force. Because except the Lord build the house, the labor in vain that built. Hey, the labor, the favor of God is what fuels my labor. So I'm in favor party. 
I said, I'm in favor party. You can make it your status. Tweet it. I'm in favor party. I'm in favor party. So I said, what new party? It's a new party. The party that smart people join. I'm favored. I'm the one. You have shown mercy. You have shown mercy. You have shown. He said, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help. I'm helped because I'm favored. Favored people are always assisted. Secondly, develop receiving skills. Now, since favor is free, that means it cannot be hand. But yet, you still have to receive it. So how do you receive favor? You receive favor by faith. That's why the Bible says, the just that have been justified by the justifier shall live by faith. Romans chapter 4 verse 16. It is of faith that it might be by grace. <laughs> so if we are that favor, then we need to know how to receive more favor. How do we receive more favor? We become schooled, informed, and intentional with faith. You have the faith of God in you. You are born with it. The moment you got saved, faith was installed in you. You have an installation. You know, I upgraded my, my phone recently. And you know, there are certain things that comes automatically with it. For a believer, faith is not what you had. Faith is what you start with. Because even without faith, you won't be in the kingdom. So for you to be saved, that means you already have faith. Yeah. Now turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, yeah. are you saved? saved? If your neighbor can answer, well, maybe you need to walk him out forwards. Ask her again, say, are you saved? saved? I know you've been told severally that you fake it till you make it. You can't fake this one. If you fake this one, you are faking hell. <laughs> Tell, ask again, say, are you saved? saved? Then to be saved, is to have faith installed. But it's possible that the installed faith has become dormant. So the way to activate that faith every day is a faith comment by hearing. Faith comment. So what you expose yourself to determines whether the faith that was installed in you will be effective or not. There's a hearing of the word that activates the faith of God. Hey! Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I love it. I'm crucified with Christ. Yet that, nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. But the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Hey! It's not just any faith. It's the faith of the Son of God. I'm in the family. I'm a Son of God. So I live by the faith. So that's what I call family faith. Write it down. Family faith. You know, there are some people, once you see them, you can't miss them. Any member of their family. One of them is one of our politicians several, several years ago. Some of you might be too young to know, to, to know, to know him in Nigeria then. MQ Abiola. There's an ID card to his family. 
One of his sons joined us in Chicago. That was about 15 years ago. They did not need to introduce him. He was a medical student. He walked into the church, and you can see the ID card. This is Abiola's son. You can't miss it. With all the Tushnes, with all the American accent, it's Abiola's son. It's on your face. About several years ago, my daughter went to the clinic then. She was probably two. And the, doc the doctor was saying some rubbish, gibberish. Uh, there might be something in the head or whatever. I said, why? He said, the head is big. I said, that's our ID cards. <laughs> said, we have big heads. So I got to my, I told my wife, that doctor doesn't know what he's saying. He said, he said, I want to do for that scan because the head is big. He said, that's the way our head is big. So I took her back the following week and they ran this guy. He said, there's nothing. I said, why are you expecting to say anything? I told you, that runs in our family. We have big heads. And if you see her, She's super smart. I might get into trouble for what I'm about to say. She has never had a B in her life. You don't skip, school, you don't skip classes in America. She skipped class. She's still supposed to be in high school. She's in university. So that day she called me and said, Oh, Dad, I'm done with my exam. I didn't ask her, How are your grades? I don't need to ask. She has never had a B. So why are you surprised? That head is big for a purpose. <laughs> no, there's some people you call them head of states. <laughs> they are carrying the whole state. So it's capacity. Somebody shout, I'm, I'm loaded, I'm loaded. With, faith. with faith. So say, oh, Pastor Michelle has faith. Pastor Ami has faith. Pastor Dr. has faith. Ah, Dr. K has faith. What about you? Are you a stranger in the family? Several years ago, something happened at home. You know, my daughter then, you know, because if you know her very well, she's quite artistic. She draws, she, she dances. She does everything that I can do, you know. When I was in school, F9, F9, P8, P7, that was fine art for me. But she draws. She's that good. So because of her artistic bent, she started saying, I don't like math, I don't like math, I don't like math. My son was probably maybe seven then. He jumped up. He said, Tell me, stop that. Stop that. Don't ever say it again. You like math. Say, Mommy like math. Daddy like math. I'm good in math. You are in the family. You like math. I was seated there. I didn't even have to say anything again. <laughs> say, God bless you. I have an assistant in this house, Dan. And that was the end of it. That conversation has never happened after that. Say so you ah, because to the glory of God, maths runs in our family. I was depressed in my second year in pharmacy when I realized I would never take another maths class again. I'm like, ah, ma. they took it away from me. I wish somebody to. I'm serious. I was depressed because maths for me was a thing of you know. When people say maths is difficult, how can it be difficult? I think maths. The YDS. Calculus. We did not have a maths teacher. I mean, is it further maths or additional maths they call it now? Further maths. We didn't have a further maths in my high school in Nigeria. And yet I registered for it and I had a distinction in it. 
I taught myself. The YDS integration is just natural. And my wife too. I mean, she's a good man. She went to Cornell. She's been. And my son. So it's a you. One, two, three. You are four. You are, you know it. Don't you never say neighbor? neighbor. I have a strong word for you. Please me, me, be mean, be mean in the spirit. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, neighbor. I have a strong for you. You have faith. If I stand up and be real, come on, come on, charge at him. Say, neighbor, neighbor. I have a word for you. You have faith. If now, 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 threaten him. I say, if I ever hear you say, I don't have faith. Don't let me tell you what I will do. Now, shout it on him one more time. You have faith. Come on, shout it two more times. You have faith. Faith. Maybe sit there. You have faith. A new creation was born with faith. If you see fear in a new creation, it came from somewhere else. For God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of the power of love and of sound mind. In this kingdom, faith is natural. We do faith supernaturally, naturally. We were born with the faith of the Son of God. Don't ever do life without the faith of the Son of God. Because authentic life is by the faith of the Son of God. Just make sure you are responsible with that faith. How, do you, how, do you, how are you responsible with it? Feed it. Don't take your ears to the wrong places. Hear the right stuff. For faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Because if it's not the word of God, it's killing that faith. Don't kill your baby. If your faith is not active, it's because you are not feeding it. Feed it. If your faith is weak, it's because you've not been responsible in feeding it. Feed it. There are two things that are paramount to the faith of the Son of God. The faith of the Son of God believes with the heart. And that faith confesses with the mouth. The faith of the Son of God is intentional about what he says. Mm. And that's why every month we send confession to our churches. We are deliberate. Because the confession is the releasing of the faith of the Son of God. Jesus brought a fig tree down, not with an axe, but by speaking. There's nothing you can't approach if you only know how to speak well. The faith of the Son of God believes with the heart and then speaks with the mouth. That is your receiving skill. As it is written, I've believed, therefore have I spoken. That is the spirit of faith. We are convinced of the love of God for us. So we have faith. I'm just going to read the rest to you. Write it down. Be conscious and sensitive to divine direction. The money has finished a long time ago, so I can't preach again. Be conscious. Be conscious and says to the divine direction. Divine direction should not be, oh my God, oh, is God speaking? How does he speak? Listen, I've been married for, this is my 25th year. But when my wife, my wife can be in a room full of 500 people, I will never struggle to, to, to recognize her voice. Why? I've spent time with her for almost 30 years. We dated for four and a half years before we got married. I know her. 
Even my children are like, they are almost, they are, my son is over 20, my daughter is about 19. They've been around me long enough. There are millions or billions of voices in this world, but their voices are too unique for me not to recognize. If you are struggling to hear God, it's because you have not spent time with him. There is a koinonia that makes hearing from God natural. I don't know how God speaks. It's because you are not spending enough time. People that live in your house, you know their voice. If you carry God, that means you are his house. He lives in your house. You should know his voice. The problem is you have been you have been neglecting the person that lives with you. The person that God said he must never leave you. That's, that means you need him so seriously that God says, don't leave him. Don't leave. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, Liverpool says they will never walk alone, right? Although they walked alone for the most part of this season. <laughs> but listen, a believer will never walk alone. Do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I will fear no evil because I can never walk alone. Holy Spirit, come back. Where did he go? He never left. He left in your mind because your mind is not renewed. Take not your spirit away from me. Are you David? David was under the covenant when the spirit was not resident. The spirit lives in the new creation. I'm not feeling him. It's not a feeling. Even when you can't feel him, he's still there. Just pray in tongues a little bit, you will feel him. He's always there. He never leaves. Then if he leaves, then spend time to know his voice. Then you will know what to do. You have an auction from the Holy One and you know all things. Okay, I'm talking about maximizing the rain. Right? What about this? Explore your imagination. You know, I've been talking about spiritual, which is powerful. But listen, imagination was given to you by God. The same way our bodies were given to us by God to sustain us on earth. And that's why I hate, you know, irresponsible preaching like, you know, don't sleep. Because if you sleep eight hours, you have slept one third of your life. Listen, sleep is part of God's plan to restore your body. Messing with your sleep is literally messing with your life. So you rest. Jesus said, a body has thou prepared for me. Don't you think it will be irresponsible of you to destroy the body prepared for you? Some people have, have gone to heaven not because God called them home. God received them. There's a difference between God called. He, they were received. And it was because of their irresponsible living that they had to be received before their time. Don't you know you say be responsible? Yes. Come on, don't be scared of him. Tell him I said be responsible. Yes. Don't die on me. Be responsible. Live well. Eat well. Sleep well. Don't, don't, don't use spiritual laws for natural laws. Before I left my room this morning, I took certain supplements. Oh, I, I thought you were a man of faith. I'm a very much man of faith. Faith more than you can ever realize. But these supplements are needed because they are things that should naturally be in our food. But by the virtue of the kind of world we live in, they are no longer in our food. And our body needs it to function well. Magnesium, potassium, a bunch of them. 
Some of you are binding demons and sending arrows to the village. But listen, it's because <laughs> it's because you have been breaking natural laws. It's like the devil taking Jesus to the top of the mountain and building and said, jump. And Jesus says, that shall not tempt the Lord your God because there's a law of gravity. There are laws governing our existence on earth. Come on, I hope I'm not boring anybody. Don't worry, this is my last session. You won't see me after today. There are laws governing what? Our what? Ah, it's very, very important. Don't be irresponsible. Everything is not praying in tongues. There's a time to rest. There's a time to eat well. Did you know Jesus raised a girl from the dead? And the first thing he said was, give us something to eat. The natural is not necessarily anti-supernatural. There are natural things that must be done. When it applies to, you know, we are a spirit, but we have a soul and we live in a body. So the same way we take care of our body, we take care of our mind. Believers, a lot of believers are very lazy mentally. Write it down. A lot of believers are very what? Lazy mentally. Everything, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Everything is not Holy Ghost. That's why you need to go to school with the Holy Ghost. Because it gave you a mind that must be informed. But the part I want to focus on now is imagination. The part of you that has the ability to explore and create. Do you know a bunch of things in our world today were created by unsaved people? They don't even have the Holy Ghost. But they were diligent enough to explore. And they came out with products. The question is, what are you doing with your mind? You have the Holy Ghost. You have a superior advantage. Do you know you can only receive for as far as you can see? That's why in Genesis chapter 13 verse 14, God came to Abraham. Lot had left a major, in fact, not an employee, a partner. Oh, half of the business is gone. In fact, more than half of the business is gone because Lot took the good parts of the business. And God showed up. He said, Lot is not the problem. Abraham, look upward, southward, westward, northward. As far as you see, I will give you. How far do you see? Use your... You know, you know my church people will tell you in Chicago, if you are one of those people that have the kind of job that will not allow you to use your mind to explore, I say, go and resign. By the time you come back, you just sleep. You are too tired. You wake up. There should be a time to sit down and explore. Explore. Travel around the world. Don't just, some of you have been in UK all your life. Even ordinary France, you've never been there. Because you are busy walking double, to, walking double triple. Explore. There's more to life. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm not abusing anybody. Turn to your neighbor and say, Explore. If all the people in your circle are your village people, there's a problem. Explore. L let me say a few things about imagination. Listen, imagination is the ability of the mind to create new and original ideas, images, or concepts. It involves the activation of the various parts of the brain to visualize or form mental representation of different scenarios, events, and possibilities. 
You know, even after God has given you revelation, you have a responsibility to now engage that revelation by imagination. To come up with a product or service. I'm preaching good, right? Your revelation can only be translated into a product or service through active imagination. You know, imagination is so powerful that in Genesis chapter 11 verse 6, God himself said, he said, whatever they have imagined will not be constrained from them. They were not in the will of God and yet God acknowledged the imagination we create. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3, thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind. But you know the word mind there is from the Hebrew word yetsa, which is from the Greek word, I mean, which simply means conception and imagination. Your imagination is the womb of your mind. God drops things into your spirit, but your mind must take it to develop a product or a service. It's raining. Engage your imagination. Don't you never say it's raining? But you must engage your imagination. No, some people are not lazy physically, but they are lazy mentally. Some people, the use of their mind is always about the past, memory. Ah, seven years ago, 25 years ago, 30 years ago. You are always playing backward. Let's start playing forward. Your mind is not just meant to what? You replay the past. It's also designed to replay the future. Okay? I've talked about association, right? As I said it in the beginning. Okay. Associate rightly. Associate rightly. You know your money finished a long time ago. Associate. Watch your association. Watch your association. Please, watch your association. Be deliberate about who is in your circle. You can only go as far as the people that you roll with. Someone, blessed is the man. That was the first time. That David wrote, blessed is the man that walked not in the council of the ungodly, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, nor, nor started in the way of the sinner. Listen, where you stand, where you sit, and where you walk, the time is where you end up. What you attract into your life is a function of who you sit with, who you stand with, and who you walk with. You know, there are people that God will send into your space just to elevate your level. And there are people that God, that the devil will send into your space to reduce your life. You'll be shocked the percentage of people that are in jail today simply because they associated with the wrong person. And they are, you'll be shocked the percentage of millionaires today who became millionaires because who? Because of who they made their friend. Some of you, you are saved today because of your friends who brought you to church. And a bunch of people are in pubs today because of their friends. And let me say this about relationship and association before I move to the next point. Listen, when God sends certain people into your space and you can pick it up that this is destiny at work, you now have a responsibility to protect such relationship because the people, as important and as relevant as they are, are still not perfect. They are flawed people. Just like you are flawed. I've seen so many people cut off from people that God has placed in their life to release their prophecy. Just because of one offense or the other. I don't know who I'm talking to. 
As I'm thinking, as I'm talking, you are thinking there are a few people in your life that did one thing or the other that pissed you off and you forgot all the goods they brought into your life. Remember you yourself, you are still a work in progress. May you not cut off from somebody that God placed in your life to release your destiny. Yeah. So always remember this. The people that God is sending to your space are not necessarily perfect. They are flawed. You must see beyond their flaws to embrace their grace. When you magnify people's flaws over their grace, you will stop receiving from them. The reason why I've had the same pastor for over 30 years is not because my pastor is perfect. It's because I see his grace primarily. In every relationship, you must be intentional about magnifying people's grace over their what? Flaws. Okay. I'm rounding up now. Function from rest. I said a lot. Like, I should not say it again. I said it yesterday. Go and listen to yesterday's message. Rest. Somebody shall rest. In other words, no anxiety, no fear, no panic. Irrespective of what you are dealing with, rest. God cannot feed you until you sit down. And remember, joy is the proof that you are resting. The moment your joy is not there, quickly pump it. Run around the house, scream, yeah, glory to God. Because joy is a proof that you are resting. And remember, if you go out with joy, you will come back complete with peace. And lastly, be deliberate about impartation. Be deliberate about impartation. Be deliberate about what? Impartation. I'm going to read three or four scriptures, then I'll start laying hands. Have you been blessed? Come on, have you been blessed? Has this been a worthy conference? Have you learned one thing or the other in this conference? If you have been blessed in this conference, come on, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Let me run through some scriptures. Are you ready? First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18. The glory of God is here. Oh, Masatabaya, Dakataya. Impartation is key. I wrote, I read two scriptures for you from for you in Romans chapter 1, verse 11, and Romans chapter 15, verse 29, talking about the impartation of the spirit through the apostolic ministry of Paul. But look at this. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 is still the same Paul speaking. He said, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, son Timothy, son Timothy, according to the prophecies. Now listen. Prophecies are vehicle of impartation. No wonder the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, I said, despise not prophesying. Prophecy should not be taken lightly. People that take prophecy lightly don't last. Because prophecies are breath of God that form your future. I just gave you a classic decision. Write it down. Prophecies are what? Breath of God. They are divine entrances, utterances that carry what? The breath of God that form your future. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 21 says, Every prophecy is not given by the will of man, but only men spoke as they were moved by God. When there's prophecy, you take it seriously. Like prophecies that are released over United Kingdom. Like prophecies released over your life. They are corporate prophecies and they are individual prophecies. Listen. Great men are products of prophecies. 
This charge I commit to you. According to the prophecy. According to the prophecy. That was given over you. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 18. He said, wage a good warfare. So you don't just write prophecies down. You fight with them. When the Bible says fight the good fight of faith, one of the ways you fight the good fight of faith is you are intelligent enough to, to, to be conscious of your prophecy. That's why you will see, even in the Bible, you will see Daniel talked about the, what God told Moses, what you said you will do. When you forget what he told you about your future, that future is in jail party. He said, this charge I commit to you. According to the prophecies previously made. So the question is, what are the prophecies previously made over your life? Because you are supposed to do what? Wage a good warfare. Let me tell you two things about life. It's a race and it's a fight. We are always running. You don't stop. You run. Say run the race. It didn't say jog the race. Run. That was why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he said, I run and I fight. I run and I fight. You fight. People that don't want to fight, do you know what they do? They die. I've been around long enough to tell you this. A few times that I've seen loved ones die just before they passed, they stopped fighting. I remember one of them like four or five years ago, a sick bed. I've been there several before then and she was always eager to receive prayer. But this time around, as I got there, do you know what she did? She turned her back at me. The message is clear. Don't bother. I'm ready to go. A few days after, she was gone. That was my last encounter with her. I wanted to pray. And she saw me and she turned her back. When you stop fighting. And please don't blame her. There are some people who it's just better for them to go. And that's why the most difficult set of people to raise from the dead are believers. They are walked into the glory. And you are saying, come back. Come back where? <laughs> one, of my, one of my daughters, Sarah, in Atlanta, she had a very, very serious challenge about two, three years ago that she was almost gone. In fact, she went at a point. As in, she was gone on the hospital bed. So her husband held her hands. said, Sarah, come back to me. Come back to me. Come back to me. I was with him in Atlanta about two months ago. Then after a while, her eyes opened. When I was in Atlanta, she sat me down and told me what happened in that process. Said Pastor, it was fun. <laughs> he said, I've never seen that kind of joy before. He said it was like, he said the way he said it was like, I was just like this. He said, the atmosphere was charged. He said, as I was doing all that and having fun, I just heard my husband's voice. So he looked at him, he said, I love this man. He said, it was because of him I came back. And after I came back, she became quiet for days. Because the environment here was irritating. True life story. 
And there's a lot of drama in our family, extended family. Bollywood, Nollywood, Hollywood combined. <laughs> so one of these days, they started doing their drama. You know families that argue, make mess of every... So after a while, she couldn't take it. He said, shut up, all of you. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Say, did you know what it took for me to come back? <laughs> so if this is the mess I will come back to. All of them were shocked. He said, Pastor, did you understand what I was saying? But I was referring to those moments. He said, although it was a brief moment, it felt like forever. He said, the joy, there is no praise and worship here that can compare. The most anointed glorious service here is nothing. He said, it will, he, I love this man who, if not for him, I wouldn't have come back. One of my friends, Piki Olawale, he pastored, he used to pastor the largest redeemed church all over the world at, that, at a particular time. Solid Rock in Ojodu, in Lagos. He's now in Dallas. We sat on the plane a few years ago and he was sharing an experience with me that we'll never forget. He said several years ago when he was still pastoring in Nigeria, one of his solid members, you know, the kind of member that you call in the middle of the night and will run to your house. Passed. So he ran to his house. No! You cannot die. So he prayed. Maybe about after three and a half hours prayer, the man came back to life. Apparently, God, the man was arguing with God. I don't want to go. That's my own interpretation. You will understand why, why I said that. So the man came back to life. I mean, that should be celebration, right? He said, Pastor, I raised him from the dead, but I lost a friend. I said, what happened? He said, he today, he doesn't greet me. I'm serious, true life story. He said, anytime he sees me, just turn around and walk away. He said, I've done everything. I've begged him. He said, no. He said, just stay. Just stay. He said, I raised him from the dead. But I lost a friend. Three and a half hours in glory. You now bring him to this mess. Tell husband of blessed memory. His wife passed. <laughs> Maybe in, this, in their 70s or whatever. Lay hands on him. In the name of Jesus. Come back. Come back. So the woman came back angry and warned him. He said, next time I die, leave me alone. <laughs> Get on your feet. <laughs> he made him to say, next time I die, leave me alone. Uh -uh. Raising a believer from the dead is difficult. My daughter told me, he said, Pastor, I love Maduka, if not for love. Come back to this, come back to Nollywood, Hollywood, Bollywood. All the drama you have on this art. He said it took him months, Pastor Shala. It took him months because he would just sit down and be quiet, just thinking about ah, chai. So, a loved one who was in Christ would die. You are like, hey, hey, hey. the person is like one of my friends who passed last year, Ezekiel Atan. You know, it was painful. But Paul in nature says this. Spent hours praying the spirits over, his, over him. I mean, on the phone because he was not in that location. And he said after it was three or four hours, he went into a trance. And in the trance, he saw him. And he was smiling. Ezekiel, come back. He said. Ezekiel, come back. He said. What about your wife? He said, she'll be fine. How about your children? They will be fine. 
What about the church? They will be fine. Say so he was smiling. I mean, for me, it was painful because that was the day before I preached at Exponential Conference in Lagos. And God might have known, but I didn't know. So he went to between the lounge. He said, ah, sorry for Pastor Ezekiel. I, I, I said, oh. And I was supposed to be going to the pulpit in five minutes. I said, what is it? He said, Ezekiel, I thank you, that yesterday. Ha. So I went to the pulpit preaching. And thank God it was a good message. But it was tough. But Ezekiel was smiling, no. <laughs> You'll be fine. The Holy Spirit is with you. He will strengthen you. He will be your husband. He will be your wife. He will be your pastor. He will strengthen you. Impartation. Somebody shout the impartation. I hope I've not bored anybody this afternoon. It is impartation. He said, this child, which don't you never say fight. Come on, scream. Say fight. I can't hear you. Say fight. Say wage a good warfare. Let's go to the second scripture because we, we will fight with impartation. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 14. Fight, 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 fight. You don't, you don't, you don't just sit on prophecy. You fight with it. Can you read it out? One, two, three, go. So this one is what you call combo. Prophecy with the name of hands. Also, in our church, we don't lay hands. Your church needs help. Because there's a lane of hands that is key in the process of impartation. He told Timothy, he said, the gift that you got through the combo of prophecy and what? Lane of hands. He said, don't neglect it. The translation says, fan it to flame. Make sure the grace is not dormant. Because impartation comes through lane of hands. And through what? prophecy. But that impartation must be protected. Deuteronomy chapter 34 verse 9. Deuteronomy chapter 34 verse 9. And Joshua, now read it. This is what I call leadership by impartation. He said, the children of Israel, he did it. When your hands were laid and there was a capacity for leadership that commanded wisdom. That forced everybody to respect his authority. Are you ready for impartation this afternoon? Lift up your hands unto heaven. We give you all. Lift those hands up. We. Come on, raise we your give voice. You all, we give you all the glory. We give you all the glory. 
is real you know some months ago Bolajido called me the day after the next level prayer and he was excited over the phone he said, he said pastor a lot of people outside miracles God blew our minds and I was just rejoicing with him over the phone and my mind went back to about 20 years ago in a small place in Bagada at the inauguration of Harvester, the beginning of ministry. I preached. Reverend preached. We prayed and laid hands over him. And what he's doing, we are not even doing it. We are doing other things. But some of the things he's doing, we're not doing. So I rejoice. Oh my God, my God, my God. I flew from America to inaugurate Harvesters. Beautiful. Impartation is real. Just yesterday, man, Adrian called me and we're talking over the phone. He was apologizing because normally we talk like every week. He said, Pastor, we've not talked. He said, It's okay, I understand. You are busy and I'm happy. And we're talking about the meetings. And we went back to just a few years ago. I was preaching at CCH. Were you there in that meeting? The Sunday morning. I don't think you were there. I was preaching, I was preaching, and it got to a point as of that time, they had just two churches. Abuja and Lagos. And I said, Thus said the Lord. Smart man. He caught it quickly. He left his seat. Some of you are forming. You are forming for nothing. He left his seat, ran forward, and knelt down. And I said, And I see an apostolic expression. I see multiples of churches. I see imparting nations. In fact, at some point, I turned to the church. I said, Please don't hold on to him. Because his school was supposed to go to the nations. That was barely two years ago. You see, have that video. Hey. Was I the one that put it in? No. I was just sent as a vehicle to release that prophetic word. Of course, I'm not saying I was the only one that released the prophetic word, but that one was clearly caught. We see Dr. Boy yesterday. Boom! In fact, the kind of conversation we were having two years ago, we can't have it again. Because so much has happened. There are things locked up in you that prophecy and impartation can unlock, can unlock. Pastor Shola, five and a half years ago, came forward inside of him and said, I don't even know what I'm doing this ordination for. And I thought it's just going to be a fellowship thing that I will run. Now they want to ordain me. Poured oil on him against his will. Come! And I went back to America. The rest is history. The new. Boom. 
It was inside of him. It just needed to be unlocked. Impartation unlocks what you don't even know. Yes, sir. Afalabi God told me, he said, it's not just going to happen to them, it's happening to you today. There's going to, oh, I feel an anointing. I speak as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. As one that carries apostolic grace. Whatever is locked in you, ministry, career, business, politics, governmental leadership, whatever is locked in you, entrepreneurial capacity, whatever is locked in you, the, 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 the keys of your city, the keys of your spaces, the keys of your industry. I stand in my office as an apostle and I declare there shall be unlocking. Smart people don't joke with prophecy. Despise not prophecy. It carries the breath of God. Mataya kataya. Despise not the men that are gifts. He said he gave gifts unto men. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. They are carriers of grace. Do you know Apollos was just known for oratory power and mighty utterances Until he met with Paul. And Paul lay hands on Apollos. And by the time they got to First Corinthians, Apollo plants. Paul plants Apollo's waters. The person he lay hands on has now become a colleague. It was, this was an Apollos that was only baptized in the baptism of John. It was just what? Just talking. Eloquent. Eloquent without power. But Paul laid hands on Apollos. There was an unlocking. Hey, go and read about it. It's in the Acts of Apostles. I think it's chapter 18 and 19. There was an unlocking. Today I speak as a Holy Ghost agent. Everything locked up inside of you will be unlocked. For some of you, it will be unlocking into business world. For some of you, I see you unlocked into some non-governmental agencies that will command respect in your generation. The unlocking is not just for pulpits. It's for business. I shared with you how my son came into my office. I said, Pastor, I can never leave this church. I was broke when I came told me two years ago, he said, I have two over 2,000 clients. Oh, you didn't hear that. Over what? <laughs> you know, there are projects in church now. When he hears, he just say, please, don't take money from the church account. I will pay it. $60,000. The person that was not making $60,000 a year can now say $60,000. Go and take care of it. He said, is that all the projects? Women's conference. When my wife was coming for women's conference, my wife said, well, this is the budget. So we're going to, we, because we didn't want to stress the accounts in Nigeria. We just said, okay, we take it. When he had, he just called me. He said, Pastor, he said, this is the budget they need. This is the money. Give it to her. When somebody can pay the budget of a conference, it was unlocked. 
So it's not just for preaching. Any space and every space that God has called you to, whether it's entertainment, whether it's politics, I declare is unlocked. Somebody shall unlock! Somebody shall unlock! Somebody shall unlock! You know, Benga, you, Benga, you were you around for my daddy, my, I mean, the concert last year. I'm not too sure. I think you traveled. But you knew when we were planning it. It was like a joke. Oh, he just came to me, hey, daddy, hey, I have this idea. Hey, but I don't know what to do. I said, okay. So we sat down. Of course, I prayed for him. I said, okay, hey, let this person do this. Let this person do this. When I saw that video flying all over the world, it saw three million views. I said, ah, that thing we are talking about, less than one year, that there was no crew, but Hoyt rested on it. When we were planning this program, that by this time next year you'll be getting married. Ah, no! Ah! No, there's a way God will just shoot you up. I was talking to her, they said, Daddy, I just want to marry so that I can face life. So much is going on. Somebody shall unlock it. Impartation of the Spirit unlocks. Unlocks. Are you ready? Prophecy. Lane and advance. Lift up your hands unto heaven. Oh, let there be a release of the spirit all over this house. Causing a stirring within men. Causing redundant gifts to awake. And releasing men into their destiny. Oh, satire. We hope you've been richly blessed by this teaching from Kingswood Ministries International. Feel free to visit our website at kingswood.org for more inspiring teachings by Dr. K. Ijishasong. There you'd also find other helpful materials and further information about this ministry. God bless you richly.